let's do it. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? We got all our lines wide open. You just go ahead and give us calls. We're we'll glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right. Call us right now, and we'll be able to take a little time and get your questions answered in depth. Yeah. A lot of times, folks call at the end of the show, and either we don't have time to get to the call at all, or if we get to the call, they still oh. have questions remaining and have to kind of rush them off the line. Exactly. Just because they give us the bums rush. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Right out of 11. So, yeah, if you got a question, now is time. A lot of times, I guess, people will kind of wait, and they'll hear somebody else ask something. That'll spur something in their mind. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. So then they'll call. Right. Which is fine, but if you call in now, you're way more likely to get a full answer to your question. And should you happen not to want to be on the radio today or think of something after the show goes off or maybe end up at the end of the show and not get your questions answered, you can always go to the website and get your questions answered there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email anytime, day or night, and he'll get your questions back to you. There's also three databases you can search, depending on how much information you're looking for. Yeah, and what kind of information. For a short, to the point, general type answer. You have your vehicle questions. Vehicle questions, right. And that's going to be, oh, I guess maybe... 40, 50 words on the topic. Right, and there's should something like, you know, what is a symptom of a bad U-joint? Whoop, quick answer. But if you want to know how U-joints operate and how to prevent problems with U-joints and you so can. on and so forth, then there's a detailed topic. And you can go in there, and that's going to probably go anywhere from maybe 500 to 1,000 words on the topic and have pictures and diagrams and all that sort of thing, more of a in this is how it works right. type of a thing. Not everybody wants to know how things work some folks just want a quick answer to the question right but a lot of folks like to understand more about it well you feel a little more confident when you go have a repair done right my mind works that way for instance if a catalytic converter goes bad i may ask what are the symptoms of a bad catalytic converter but then i want to know why this go bad exactly because it just cost me a thousand bucks what could <laughs> i've done lucky, to prevent it was this only <laughs> that's right so you go over to the detailed topics, much, much more information. Put one on there this morning, kind of a humorous one, and it says, can a caveman mountain balance a tire? <laughs> 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 it kind of a spoof on the Geico commercial about the cavemen and stuff. Right. And what it goes into is that not everyone does it correctly can mountain balance tire properly not everyone who sells tires can mountain balance tire correctly i see it every day oh absolutely how many, how many times a day and this goes into the things that are involved in mounting and balancing a tire properly and what happens when you don't right because a lot of times folks have problems they don't understand why they're having these problems they selected a good tire they paid a good bit of money for it but they're still having trouble and they don't understand why and it all goes back to improper mounting and balancing so read that detailed topic give you a whole lot of information pictures so on and so forth and you might notice a little icon on the front page now vote for automotive idol that's our and new new contest new if you've heard our new commercials with the singing cars you can go on there. there's a little biography on each car and you can vote for your favorite one at the end we're gonna have a little contest and have a season finale season finale as you will <laughs> so be sure to pop on there and vote for your favorite see how the vote's going you can click on it. it'll tell you that as well oh cool i think old delta eight's in the lead in the lead right as now? of right now but i think mc powertrain is coming up fast so <laughs> <laughs> pop on there and give it a vote and you have a lot of fun hey we're gonna go back to our phone lines let's see we have got wayne has been patiently holding good morning wayne Hey, guys. First of all, I want to thank you all for this invaluable service. Well, thank you, sir. 
It's, it's very, very much appreciated. Just got a, it's a really nice used 2006 Mazda Tribute okay. with 96,000 miles. All right, sir. 0.3 liter, loaded out, of course. Mm-hmm. My question is, am I getting the gas mileage I should be getting, or did they overinflate the gas mileage estimates, the EPA? I'm a combined city and highway, I'm getting like 19. Yeah, Wayne, that's about what they get. And you ask a very interesting question. I don't think they intentionally inflate those figures. However, what you got to remember is the figures that they're giving you are an average figure of dyno running, which is ideal conditions, and professional drivers on a closed course with the air condition turned off at a certain speed. So real-world figures are not ever going to be the same. It's kind of a blue sky sort of a thing. And I guess the EPA puts all these measures on car companies, and they know they can't really meet them, so what we'll do is we'll just fake the figures and make it look good, and that way we can feel warm and fuzzy like we're doing something. Yeah, because they, <laughs> they were saying 22 in the city, 28 on the highway. Said, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think, I have not seen anybody getting that in those vehicles. Really? Now, again, an awful lot has got to do with driving style and so on. In fact, I'm trying to put together an article right now on just that topic, and a lot of folks don't get as good a mileage as they could and think they are driving properly. However, there are things you can do in your driving style that will make a huge difference in the mileage you get, Okay. particularly on the newer cars, because newer cars have adaptive learn, and they will learn the way you drive. Okay. So I saw a study when I was kind of researching this article that a group of guys did, and they took four or five of the things that people do to get better gas mileage, like inflate your tires and take weight out of the car and so on and so forth. All of those had almost negligible gains. You're talking a half a percent here, 1% there. They said driving style can influence it up to 33%. Wow. Which is huge. I mean, that, that's huge. People buy cars for a whole lot less mileage gain than that. You might be watching the site because that'll be coming out here next month or so once I, I get all the information together. Yeah, the way you drive has an awful lot to do with that. Well, well I'm a, I am think of myself as a very conservative driver. Well, and you may very well be, but some of the things you do may not be the best for fuel mileage. Yeah, well, driving around Baton Rouge. You know? <laughs> there you go. That, does that say enough? Good point. Good right, point. Thank you so much. Thank you, Wayne. Sure. Bye bye. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? We would love to have you. And we've got Rich online. Good morning, Rich. Hey, good morning, Lewis and Brian. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Doing good. Good, good. Listen, if you don't mind touching on this, I'd like to know what you kind of look over when you do that thing at your shop there when you people bring them in, and I think you said it was kind of look it over in uh, case you're thinking about buying a different vehicle. Used, used car, car inspection? inspection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we check a, a number of things, Rich, and the things that we are going to check are going to vary depending on the things we find. There are certain things that we're going to check on every single car. But then... As we're progressing through the inspection, the things that we find are going to lead us in different directions. For instance, what I am looking for is a reason for you not to buy this car. Okay? Okay. So if I jack the car up and I start my general inspection of of things, I'm checking fluid levels, I'm looking at the condition of the oil, I'm looking at the color of the dipstick, is it all discolored and so on and so forth, and I look down and I see a big weld on the frame rail. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to stop and I'm going to that. And I'm going to spend a lot of time because there's not supposed to be a big weld here on this frame rail. Now, if I notice that the car has been cut in half and welded back together, there's really no use in me checking anything further because I think that's enough information to make a decision right there. Okay. Now, by the same token, let's say I'm checking and I raise the carpeting up and I see leaves and sand and grit under the carpet. 
Okay, well, now we're probably looking at a flooded vehicle here. I'm going to spend most of my time looking into that because that is a deal breaker right there. Okay, and can you, do you basically use the same principle for, like, if you think it's time to trade your car in and get a different one or something? Yes, sir, that would be just a little bit different. That's what we call a general inspection, simply because you know the history of the car. I'm not looking for wreck damage. I'm not looking for flood damage on your car because oh, okay. that would be a waste of your money and time. So instead, I'm looking at things that may fail in the future. So okay. where I would go there is I'm looking at stuff like transmission color uh, for the fluid to see if it's dark. I'm looking at the air condition efficiency to see if the AC may be going out. I'm inspecting all the lines and stuff looking for leaks. Uh, I'm looking for things that may give you a problem in the future because it's a kind of a, a lot of it's similar, but there is a kind of a different decision to be made. Okay. So okay. that's the way those work. And on different cars, certain cars have what they call pattern failures. So, for instance, if I'm looking at a General Motors car with a 3.8-liter engine, I'm mm -hmm. checking that intake manifold real close on either one of those because they're notorious for leaking. Okay. Now, let's say I'm looking at a Toyota Camry. I'm not even going to look at that because there's never been a Toyota Camry yet that I'm aware of that had a leaking intake manifold on it. So I've only got X amount of time that you can afford to spend. I mean, I could check everything on the car, but it would just cost too much. So I'm going to optimize my time on the most valuable things. I'm looking for pattern failure areas. I'm looking for areas that we know are going to give problems. It, that's sort of the kind of the way it works. Okay. All righty. Well, I'll give you all a call next week and get something set up. Okay, Rich. Thank, okay, thank th you. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. Very good question. Yeah, it brings a, a real good point. Mm -hmm. Ironically, on a used car inspection, the better the car, the more we're going to probably spend checking right, the longer it. it's going to take to check it. Because we're looking for a reason not to buy it. There are cars that when I drive them around and put it in the bay, I know at that point you don't want this car. <laughs> exactly. And we're going to normally pull the plug or at least call the customer right then and say, look, we got about 10 minutes in this car. I don't think you want this car and right. because of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Do you want me to keep checking or do you want me to stop right now? Because there's no sense paying for more information than you need. Right. On a nice car, I may spend a full hour looking at it because I'm looking for things that more and more and more subtle type of things. But, yeah, very often if all you're looking for is a reason to buy or not to buy, then you don't have to spend additional money looking if you've got an obvious reason right, right off the bat. Especially with paint work. Mm -hmm. you, know, you pull a car under a set of fluorescent lights, and you can tell if it's been repainted or how good a job. And oh, yeah. Yeah, if you know what you're looking at, yeah. you can definitely spot a lot of things. Hey, let's take a couple more calls. we got Tim online. Good morning, Tim. Hey, Lewis. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I have a 99 Oldsmobile Alero. It's uh -huh. actually my mom's car. Uh -huh. actually supposed to have it towed to your place Friday, but the tow truck <laughs> didn't show oh, up. Oh, goodness. Uh -oh. Okay. I went to look at it myself this morning since I had time, yes, and sir. what's happening when you try to start the car, mm -hmm. it'll start, run for about Two four seconds. five seconds and yeah. die. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty common uh, on those. The remote key access doesn't work. Mm -hmm. The power locks doesn't work. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Checked all the fuses. The inside uh, fuse yeah. panel has a yeah. BFC Tim, hang on, man. That's probably all the same thing. The theft system is armed on the car. Okay. So it's got a malfunction awesome. in the theft system. It's got, what it'll do is it will start. the car will start, and as soon as it sees it in theft mode, it's going to shut the fuel pump down. It's going to die. And it's also going to disable all your door locks and all that kind of stuff. It's all tied in the same system. So we that fuse as well? Well, it's not be a fuse, fuse is probably likely. something unrelated. That's probably not related. I mean, they have blown fuse, but it's probably not related to this problem. This is going to be the uh, theft system's armed on it. The pretty common issue on those cars. Okay, is there any way to unarm it? Or no, no, no you got to find out what's wrong. It's not It's not just armed. It's got a malfunction in it. 
Okay. So we just have to get and find out why it's arming. Could be the module's gone out. It could be one of the door locks is shortened back to the module. It's going to be some kind of an electrical issue that's got it armed. And like I said, once it does that, generally it's going to keep on doing it. If you do get it to start, what's going to happen is it's going to start and run for a week or two weeks or three weeks, and it's going to do it all again at the worst possible time. So your very best bet is to get it in while it's occurring. Because once yeah. you if you keep jacking when you get to where it's going, disconnect the battery and all that stuff, then you lose all the information you need to find out what's wrong with it. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll try to get it told to you Monday. Then. Okay, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We got to take a quick little break. John, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hi, Ryan Sebring here, and welcome to Echo's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Here's King Cab. My owner took me to Agaco for losing my cool. She trusts those ace technicians because she ain't no fool. Well, I fixed my radiator and everything. Now I'm rolling down the highway like I'm a king. Agco rocks and Agco rolls. Agco is the place to go. And visit AgcoAuto.com. That's A-G-C-O-Auto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going back to our phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I uh, have just a question about shop trustability. A week ago, I brought my truck into a shop I've been dealing with for years, and I've always thought that they've been very honest. Yes. Now, they did valve cover gaskets, and it was leaking oil through those. Changed okay. my belt out and did the timing belt. Okay. And when I picked it up, the mechanic said, oh, we had to change those studs out on the fan clutch to the water pump. Okay. Well, they charged me for a new water pump. Wouldn't you put new ones in anyway? So that kind of threw me off right there. The very next day, my wife's van went out, and we narrowed it down. We thought it was a transmission sensor switch. Uh-huh. Now, I had it brought to the same shop, uh-huh. and they said that they traced everything down, and it was the computer wasn't sending a signal. Okay. And we went from a $60 part to an $800 part, and I asked them for the whole computer, and no. they said that... They got to send it in. Oh, it does? Yes. Oh, yes, it has a core on it. Core charge. Uh, John, okay. I don't hear anything there that I would be alarmed at. I mean... The water pump does not come with studs. You either have to take the ones out of the old water pump, or you have to buy new studs and put in it. And a lot of times you can't get Correct. the old a lot ones of time out you can't get them out damaging them. Right. They're froze up. They're locked up. So it's not unusual to have to put new studs in. And that, that one just kind of threw me off a little bit. I would yeah. think that they put new ones in anyway. No, um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. They'll generally try to reuse the old ones, but sometimes they're just rusted up, and it's a fine thread, and it's fairly soft, and you can easily strip them, and they have to end up putting new ones. But you do have all computers. You cannot buy a new computer. All computers are remanufactured. And so the computer does have to go back to the manufacturer. That's part of the the price they're charging you. 
that was what was scared me was that part right yeah there. and that, john i'm glad you called me with this so we could clear it up because a lot of times and totally honest shop and i've even had this happen to me something doesn't get understood and so the first thing they start questioning them but i mean i didn't hear anything there that i would be alarmed at i mean certainly sounds like everything is perfectly in order i would maybe go to them and ask me if you're concerned but very very easy and then you of course if you go to the wrong person you get all kind of information and he said she said i had a lady call me one time and she said I am just so put out. I've been using the same guy for 20 years. I never thought he'd rip me off. I just never thought. I said, well, ma'am, tell me what happened. She says, well, my car wouldn't start. I had it towed in there, and it was $400 to fix it. I said, okay. She says, the next day, my neighbor's car wouldn't start, and she towed it in. It was just a battery. That guy ripped me off. And it's a total misunderstanding. I said, well, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. You had a fuel pump battery in your car. She had a battery in hers. But this same, woman was same re- symptom, same symptom, but totally different, different thing. And the lady right. was just all all upset with this guy. So, man, there's no reason to be upset with him. He did a perfectly good job. He did an honest job at a fair price. But had she, you know, she went and she talked to her neighbor, and they, oh, you got ripped off, you know. And then she talks. To, if you go to someone who knows, or go back to the shop and ask them, so so much of that, because there are some dishonest shops out there, but I would say they're in the minority. But yeah, everything you're telling me, John, makes perfect sense. If you got any doubts, I would probably just go to the guy and just kind of express it to him. Say, look, could you explain to me why you did such such? Especially well, if you've been doing business with him for a long time. Right. There was just the fact that it was an electronic part. I didn't yeah. think that they had more charge on a computer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It threw yep. me off, and I didn't Definitely. want to question it because they've always been honest yeah. with me. Well, chances yeah. are it sounds like you got a good shop. I mean, okay. but, yeah, absolutely. Every computer in the world has got a core charge on it. They get The EPA pushes them a lot on electrical stuff to remanufacture it just because there are some pretty toxic materials that go into manufacturing electrical parts. Okay. And just like starters and alternators and all that, there's always a core on it because they take the old one back and remanufacture it. Right. All righty. Thank you. Okay, John. Thanks, all right. man. Bye. Hi. Right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Yeah, I'm glad John called with that because seeing that a bunch of times, folks will come into the shop and they're talking about another shop. And I generally try to straighten it out if I can. Very rarely is it actually the guys ripping them off. More times than not, it's something they don't understand. It's a big misunderstanding. That's correct. And that can happen. And what happens is that people being what people are, you go talk to your neighbor about it, you talk to you whomever, oh, right. yeah, yeah, you got ripped off, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I go on automotive forums a lot of times, and I see this. And you've got a guy who does not know, he's looking for some information, but he's talking to a bunch of guys who have absolutely no clue. He's talking to the wrong people. Right. And, man, they'll build something way out of proportion, and you kind of just want to say, hey, stop. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all are all wrong. (laughs) This is totally, totally off base. But that's just kind of the way it is. And, of course, it's always inviting to think that, well, yeah, I've been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Victimized or whatever. But the, the fact is that very, very often, that is not the case at all and just well, a little bit of understanding i guess the shop has the responsibility to make sure the customer understands to the degree that they can right the explanation is carrying everything right that's right and like john said as well i didn't want to question him because i've been going there a long time and and that's great but if you have a question in your mind yeah you don't have to be confrontational i mean you don't have to jump up in the guy's face and say whoa wait a minute what are you doing here just say well you know is there why is there a court charge on this and guy's legitimate business person that's not going to offend him he's just going to explain right. explain the situation to you very very often and what happens inevitably is that you may rule this guy out as a future provider of services which is a shame because you had a good honest guy there 
helping you out, right. watching out for you. Well, now you no longer have that. So you've lost a very valuable resource. And you don't know where you're going when you leave there. Well, that's right. That's you know, right. You, you don't know what you know what you got while you're there. That's right. And when you leave there, you got to start all over. Well, again. and there's just so few really good legitimate shops that can do a good job and fix the car right because there's those guys, and then there's all the guy other all the, the rest other of them. guys. Yeah. <laughs> we do everything for eighteen ninety five and get you in the door, and it's this 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 and right. So you, you don't want to just jump up and do the wrong thing. Right now, it, it, obviously, if that is a problem and something has gone wrong, well, that's a whole different matter, and that can happen. Uh huh. But but like you were saying earlier, if you got a question, yeah, ask. Right. You need to understand what's happening to your vehicle. Well, and more to the point, I guess, if you don't feel comfortable with the answer you've gotten, go to someone who number one has nothing to gain by your decision. Okay. Number two knows what they're talking about. That's the big question. Yeah. Don't go to the neighbor. Don't go to your coworkers. Go right. to someone who has information that can help you. You'll go to an expert, someone who – and that's one reason we have the website, because we can give you unbiased opinions on anything you want. I have, I don't have a dog in this fight. That's right. So I have no reason to tell you one way or the other. And there are other places like that as well. But these are the kind of places you want to go for information rather than just a friend or, or a coworker or, or even a forum where it's just a bunch of lay people on there who really maybe don't know any more about it than you. And in some cases – don't yes. know as much as you. That's right. <laughs> I see it all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. All you have to do is read those forums, and, I mean, you'll really, really see an awful lot of that. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines with Howard. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. A question about alignment. Okay. The O2 and the O4 Buicks and the Sabre, uh, do those have uh, cast a camber and tow-in alignments? And does it is it also uh, on the rear wheels? On the rear wheels, you have camber and tow, no caster okay. adjustment. If the wheel is offset in the opening, something's gotten bent. Uh-huh. But there is a tow and a camber adjustment on the rear of that car. There's also a camber, tow, and caster adjustment on the front. A lot of there. people don't know that. You can shift the engine cradle around to get caster. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, you're saying now, okay, tow is, is not too much of a problem. Tow is actually a bigger problem than camber. Oh, it is? Yes, sir. A little bit of tow will give you a lot of wear where... A little bit of camber. Toe is the most extreme tire wear angle. For every eighth inch of toe, your tire is going to drive 40 feet sideways for every mile you drive. Mm-hmm. So toe uh, destroys a set of tires faster than anything. As you drive a car that has a, a bit of alignment, uh, some of the people in some of these alignment shops, they can drive a car and, and think it's driving okay, and they look at it, you know, the tires, they know it's okay. But what you feel, and feel like the... I'll call it the ribbons in in the concrete or something. Mm-hmm. You seem to feel that, uh, not excessively, but, you know, it just seems to be there, and it ought not to be there. Mm-hmm. If you found where maybe correcting the toe where, where one was fighting the other, something that it, that it would... Uh, no matter how much or how little toe you got, it's just going to go the same on both wheels. Toe is going to equal out on both sides. It's going to equalize itself. Right. Toe does not pull one way or the other. Toe simply wears tires. Now, a toe will give you an unstable ride. Can make it unstable. Make if it, it's uh, towed in too much, right. it'll be unstable. Or out too much. Right. But it doesn't pull either way. Would, would that be something similar to like on some of these narrow roads we have in this part of the country where they, you know, real narrow, you know, you barely have any shoulder. And when you get off of the extended width of the asphalt. Well, a lot of these asphalt roads are worn out and they're grooved. Yeah. And you'll feel a lot of that. Right. Just and, from and the big they, trucks running on them. Do they tend to want to, would that cause it to tend to want to drift, say, off of the road maybe? or Depending on how bad the road is. 
Uh-huh. Well, um, it, it, can, you cannot a, make a car drive perfectly straight on every road. No. But on a flat, level road, it should drive straight if you let go of the wheel. And uh, that is that is alignment. But there's lots of other things to make a car pull other than alignment. Now, repeating it, I've forgotten. You said that toe is adjustable on the front. and Toe so is adjustable on every car made. Right. Okay, and, and on the uh, on the caster, a camber on the Caster and camber on the front and camber on the rear. There is no okay. caster on the rear. No, no, no. Okay, that's just. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much. All right, sir. All right, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, we're going to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Our next contestant, Ms. Crown Victoria. Mm, so I got some junk in my trunk, but why you want to treat me so bad? Took me to a repair shop, the worst I ever had. My new owner brought me to Agco, they do me right. No shimmy or shake, I run straight through the night. Got off running alignment and my ride is so smooth. The guys at Echo, they gave me back my groove. Got off running alignment and my ride is so smooth. The guys at Echo, they gave me back my groove. Give it up, folks, for Miss Crown Victoria. And visit AgcoAuto.com. That's A-G-C-O-Auto.com. Gear and tire songs performed by all our contestants. Then, vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time, for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. To the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us calls, and we'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Well, it's been really chilly lately. Boy, it has. I'm one of the coldest winters on record here. <laughs> That's right, boy. I thought we were supposed to be in South Louisiana. It wasn't supposed to get down to 20 degrees. <laughs> yeah, so much for global warming. Huh? That's right. That's one of the reasons I live here. <laughs> Not up in New York State somewhere. Oh, ain't that the truth? You know, with the cold weather, a number of automotive problems can occur and also can manifest. Correct. And obviously, the most most common or the one we think about the most is your antifreeze in your car. If the antifreeze mixture is not correct, for instance, let's say you've got a weak or diluted mix of antifreeze that's been in there for quite a while. During the summer, it maybe got some corrosion in there because it wasn't enough to protect the car. But during the winter, it can freeze. Right. The water what does the cooling. That's right. And the antifreeze just keeps the water from freezing. That's right. And when you start getting these hard freezes down to 20 degrees, For water... several hours at a time. Yeah, water is going to freeze at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. When water freezes, it expands considerably. And inside that engine block, there is nowhere, nowhere for it to for go. It to expand, exactly. And it's down in jackets on the side of the cylinders. And what happens, even though it's not full all the way to the top people want to just expand up to the top because it doesn't work that way it expands out in all directions correct and there is nowhere for it to go so it pushes out on the side of that engine block and it can split it wide open can't, i've seen that many 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 times i can't tell you how many of those we've seen over the years well yeah and tried to fix people will say well what about the freeze plug i said well number one it's not a freeze plug that's an old that's, that's a casting yeah that is a core plug that's where they wash the core sand that uh, from the casting out right and maybe one time somewhere in some dream it started freezing and blew that plug out <laughs> and that caught on but that is not a freeze plug right. and that is not designed to protect that engine and it will not generally protect the engine 
So one thing you have to do is have the proper amount of antifreeze and water, which is normally 50-50, and that's critical in the summer as well as the winter. In the winter, obviously, it'll freeze. However, in the summer, you can get huge amounts of corrosion, which can do probably Tremendous almost damage. as much damage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Tremendous damage. I think let's go back to our phone lines. We got Daniel online. Good morning, Daniel. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I got a 2008 F-150. Okay. And my tire gauge sensor, when I turn it on, starts to blink. And yes, then, sir. Of course, stays constant. Okay. Which indicates, according to the manual, that one of the sensors are just not not operating properly. Correct. That's one the question. Is uh, my question is, how do I isolate it and how do I fix it? You're going to have to have a scan tool that can communicate with the system, Daniel, which is not anything you're going to be able to buy for under $1,000. Best thing is probably just to bring it to a shop, have them diagnose it for you. We've got the Ford IDS, which is the regular Ford factory tool, and you have to get into the body control module because that's where those codes are stored. They're not stored in the power control module where a regular scan tool can get. Once you get into that module, it can look and see the signals coming in from each and every sensor so you can pretty easily figure out which one is not reading now that is not necessarily the only thing that causes that issue we've seen some other things as well there's there's a receiver under the dash that can go out and it can go out on just one channel and kill that too so you don't want to start changing sensors without getting a proper diagnosis probably your cheapest thing to do is just to pay somebody and let them diagnose it for you even if you want to fix it yourself have you put some tires on it lately uh, yeah i just did last week and that's what it's there's some tires from the same model truck but they're a little right. bit bigger well that wouldn't um, affect it but did the light come on right after the tires yeah it did they Somebody may have broke the, the sensor. sensor yeah while they were in there because right. it's pretty easy when you're mounting tires to break one of those sensors you got to be very diligent about watching mm-hmm. those sensors when you break the tires down there's a certain way it has to go on the machine for the tire to come off the rim and a certain way it has to go back on it's a real fragile type operation right. to keep from damaging them. What you might want to do, Daniel, is just take it back to the tire guy and say, hey, you guys, I'm not saying you did anything, but this came on right after I got my tires. I'd like you just to check it and see. And if nothing else, they'd probably check it for you and not charge anything and tell you which one it is. And it may, my money to talk about it. No, those are pricey, it. man. Right. They go anywhere from 100 to $200 a piece. And that's, it's, and it's that's four the of them in there. That's just the part. That's not and, the, you have to take the tire back off the right. rim. To put the sensor right, in. so it can get expensive, and then of course if it's that gym module, it right. gets a lot more expensive than that. Okay, well right. I sure thank you for your help. Okay, you're man. welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we'd love to have you. I know that was something he didn't want to hear, but oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's our government. You know, they decided we yeah. got we got to have this system. They had a system that worked passively without right. all this garbage. garbage. Right. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, and it worked fine. It worked fine. Worked just fine. And but no, no, we got to have this system. Yeah. Well, it's just like next year they're going to have they're mandating cars. stability control, stability control, which is right. a system that was never it a was lot of car, a lot of cars had it. Nobody even knew it was on there. The first time you know it's on there, the light pops on. It costs you fifteen hundred bucks to fix it. Yeah, because it never does anything. It's, it's a useless <laughs> system. But now we're going to mandate it on every car out there. Right. You got to love them, huh? I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it gets better and <laughs> See, better. I tell man. you what, why don't you guys stick to trying to fix the problems that you keep screwing up? Yeah, and leave and the leave cars. Us alone. Yeah, the, we'll figure out how to make cars. All right, right. <laughs> Works for me. Go back to the phone lines of Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir. I got a question about. I got an 07 GMC pickup. Uh-huh. I took your advice. Okay. And I changed the battery in it okay. before it went dead. Yes, sir. Even though it was four years old. Yeah, good wow, out here. You got good out of it. But it, number one. It's got a foam rubber jacket around the yes, battery. Right. It's about a quarter inch thick. What's That's the purpose of that? That is to insulate the engine heat away from the battery because heat is one of the largest killers of batteries. Okay. So it's best to put it on there. I mean, General Motors sure didn't spend an extra... 10 cents per vehicle because they didn't have to you know they're not putting anything extra in there but that's 
wood is there for it helps to insulate the battery from the heat of the engine compartment. Well, that, that's what I figured. It uh, there's a purpose for it being there. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And the other one is the original battery that was in the truck mm -hmm. was starting to bulge on each end. What is that? That is just a plastic case, and what happens is that it does get hot because it's hot under the hood of the car, and it's hot. The battery produces heat when it makes things. It also produces hydrogen gas when it charges and discharges. So the combination of the heat and the pressure over time can cause that case to swell like that. That's fairly common on them. It doesn't necessarily indicate a problem other than it's a problem with that battery, but it doesn't necessarily indicate a problem with the car. That vehicle, Bruce, has got intelligent charging on it. That charging system is not like anything you've ever imagined or ever could imagine. The PCM controls charging. It charges at different voltage under different conditions, at different rates under different conditions. It's really more than a human mind can understand why they've got so much complexity, but that's just the way they built it. Well, it doesn't take much to confuse me. <laughs> well, you might notice it's got that little block or module in the cable, and that's one right. of the sensors that reads the voltage and it charges different rates and it's just a very very complex system but it's all computer controlled and basically if you're not getting a check engine light or a warning light it's probably working just fine but i have noticed that not all batteries do that but a lot of them do okay I all right it's a problem with that battery but it's not necessarily a problem with the car Right. Uh, okay. It's just Alrighty. that uh, it wasn't dead yet, and I decided to go ahead and change that's, it. That's real smart. No. I'm big on that myself because, I mean, what you going to save if you push it another six months and it dies? Well, every now and then, me and my son make a camping trip to a place mm -hmm. where it's strictly primitive. There you go. And if your battery goes dead and it you happens you're in trouble now. around, maybe I can jump it off the boat battery, maybe. but I doubt it. Well, you ain't going to be able to push it 40 miles an hour to get it to start, that's for sure. Well, you push it with what? When yeah, both of y'all ain't going to be able to get it up to 40 miles an hour let's push it off a cliff. Down, <laughs> downhill with the wind behind you? Uh, there's no hills in yeah. Louisiana. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's right. All right, thank you. Okay, right, man, buddy. thank you. Bye-bye. Right, you want to be part of the Automotive Hour? And we got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Yes, good sir. Good morning. Hey, let me ask you. I have a Toyota 2000. To Camry. Yes, sir. And not long ago, uh, my check engine light came on. Okay. And I didn't see any difference from the way the motor was running. Well, you probably won't. You won't? Okay. Not necessarily. See, that light, you got to remember, Mike, that light checks 2,000 different things. Many okay. of those things have nothing to do with the way the car runs. Some do. But okay. you may see no outward symptoms. However, for instance, you're not going to see an outward symptom of the engine running too rich. All you do is burn up a catalytic converter that costs $2,000. Yeah, well, I took it to a, a dealer, mm -hmm. and they did a check on it. Mm -hmm. I was thinking maybe the sensor would was bad. Well, what sensor, though? I mean, there's, there's I probably 500 of them. 200 sensors under the car, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, they did a diagnostic mm -hmm. check on it and said the catalytic converter assembly yes, sir. was bad. Yes, That's sir. not the same thing as... The catalytic converter itself. Yes, it, it is. Yes, it they is. just call it an assembly. Call it an yes, assembly. Sir. It's mm -hmm. a, I believe that is a weld-in piece, if I'm not mistaken. That's why they call it an assembly, because it comes with a piece of pipe piece on of it. piece of pipe on it, yes, sir. It is, uh, it is the catalytic. Now, the thing is this, Mike. If the converter is bad, how yeah. many miles are on the car? It's 170,000. you got to remember, converters are generally designed to last the life of the car. When they fail, something normally causes them to fail. Some type of contaminant is getting into it. Whether it be coolant, excessive fuel, engine oil. 
right. something, something contaminant like that. And very, very often what shops do is they like to just go in and replace the converter. Now, that's going to fix it for a while. And that may be all you need is a while. If you've got 170,000 miles, you may not gonna, be going to keep the car another 100,000 miles. Probably not. However, when converters fail, there's a reason. It's sort of like air conditioning compressors. A compressor does not just fail. When it fails, something caused it. If you don't find the root cause, you're going to be buying another one. And how, how long that's going to be is anybody's guess. It might be six weeks. It might be six years. But w- depending on what the cause is that it originally failed. Okay, well, no one really knows, I guess. Now, right? Well, yeah, it can be yeah, found. It can be found. It can be found. Just need somebody to do a little bit more digging rather than just pull a code and change the converter. Okay, because well, now, yeah. we probably replace more converters than anybody in Baton Rouge the second time. They've oh, already right. gone somewhere else, had it done. Now they're doing it the second time. Now they decide they can come to us and let us find out what's really wrong with it because it's just too blasted expensive the other way. And you, the thing you don't want to do is go get a cheap converter yeah. from like a parts store or something because that's not going to last under there. Not on a Toyota for sure. No, that won't Toyota's even, won't even meet the, the standards for the inspection sticker for the most part. Okay, now when they did put the converter on mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. the uh, Joe, whoever came and told me says they were having problems getting a password to be able to synchronize it or to something or another. But when they changed the converter assembly itself, they had to put in a password on on the diagnostic thing that to, to get the thing. Tuned up or something? What exactly? I have that? no idea what he's talking maybe about. They, maybe they changed the software configuration. Yeah, or something? unless he they reflashed it. Reflashed the computer, possibly. That'd well, be, any, all, be the only thing well, I could think of. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, after I drove out and mm-hmm. got in the car and got it back on the road again, I noticed that my RPMs are a little bit higher. Like if I'm going sixty miles an hour, mm-hmm. my RPMs is about twenty five hundred. Is that normal? Where was it before? It was a little bit less than 2,000 when I'm... No, that's not normal. No, it sounds like it may not be going into lockup. I would probably bring it back and let them know about that because it's possible they knocked the wire loose or something. The torque converter should go into lockup at a certain RPM, and then what it does when it locks up, your RPMs are going to drop about two to 400 RPMs at, at highway speed. Well, see, I'm, I'm doing 60 miles an hour right uh-huh. now, Yeah, and my RPM is about 2,500. Yeah, I just take it back and right. tell them exactly what you got. So, you know, prior to having this repair done, my RPMs were about 2,000 at 60, and now they're at 2,500 at 60. And I'd like you to check it and see why. And, and that's definitely going to affect your gas mileage. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, the only thing I can think of is it's not going to lock up. It will definitely do that. It's not going into lockup. Yeah, torque converter lockup. But I wouldn't tell them that. Just tell them right. what it's doing. You know, just say, hey, my Give RPMs them. are here at this speed, and they were here at this speed. And he may have a logical explanation, but that sounds like a problem to me. Right. Just Something give, I definitely want to look into. Give them the symptoms, not what you think yeah, it might be. Don't walk in and give them a diagnosis. A yet. lot of people, okay. you give them a diagnosis and they jump right for that. Well, what they'll do so, is go and check the way it is going to lock up, and then that's the end of it. But they right. don't tell you why your RPMs are higher than they were before. Okay, good Because that's one possibility, you see. Okay, I won't mention that. To yeah. Them. I'll just tell them that. Yeah, just say the just, RPMs yeah. are higher now than they were prior. And, I mean, they may have a logical explanation. I don't know. Nothing occurs to me off the top of my head, though. Thanks a lot. Okay, man. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break. William and Philip, you guys hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. 
our next contestant, Old Delta 88. My old owner loved me and he treated me fine. Used to tag me to Agco all of the time. Now my new owner cuts corners, is looking for a deal. It's enough to make my poor tires, my poor tires squeal. I got new owner blues, he don't wanna treat me nice. I got the cheap owner blues, down the road he'll pay the price. Yes, he will. Oh, sing it, old Delta 88, and visit agcoauto.com. That's agcoauto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time, for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry right here in the co-pilot seat. Between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. And going back to phone lines, we've got William online. Good morning, William. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. We're doing great. Good. Listen, a bit of information, sure. a point of information. Sure. I had a, had a car looked at through Carfax, mm -hmm. gave them the information that they needed, and they mm -hmm. told me that the car has maybe about 35 anomalies on it but they would not say what those that 35 meant can you help me with any kind of idea what they could be talking about well did you buy a carfax report from them or they trying to sell you a carfax report trying to sell me a car yeah well you got to remember carfax is one piece of a puzzle it's good information as far as it goes it just is it's very limited everything. it's not everything what i would suggest is the car you're thinking about buying william yes sir Instead of that, what I would suggest is to take it to someone and have them actually inspect the car. And the reason I say that, what Carfax is, is they buy information from new car dealership warranty records. They buy information from insurance companies as far as wreck damage and so on. Uh -huh. Now, if the car had been wrecked, then it was fixed under insurance, they'd have a record of it. If the car were fixed under warranty, they would have a record of it. This is the problem with it. Let's say the car was wrecked and the guy didn't pay insurance on it. He took it to some backyard shop and they pieced it back together. They have no record and it's not going to show up. Yeah. Let's say the car had gotten vastly overheated. Yeah. And they didn't take it back to the dealership. They took it to a guy and he says, hey, man, you got two blown head gaskets. He dumped some stop leak in and he went and sold the car. It's not going to show up on there. Uh -huh. So it's okay information, but it's very limited. Now, as far as what they've got, who knows? It, what they're going to have is going to be information from new car dealership, service records, and insurance records. Of course, what they're doing is they're going to give you a little free report and say, yeah, we found 35 things because they want to sell you another report, and then they'll tell you what they are. Yeah. And they may be plausible, and they may they not may be. Not, yeah, it may not be anything, may but not. I would suggest you bring that to a reputable individual, have him physically inspect the car because that's going to be so much better information. Yeah. Do you so have much more reliable information. Do you have a shop you deal with? No, I don't. Okay. Why don't you go to our website? There's an article on our website about how to select a great shop. Right on the front page. Right. And that way you'll know what to, to look for. What to look for, how to select a, a good shop. Right. And somebody you can trust. That's right. Yeah. But that and would be my recommendation because that way you're going to get way better information. Okay. Very good. All righty. So those things could be anything from an oil change. Could be. I it mean, could be anything. 
We had one. It threw a big old warning flag because it said that the mileage may have been rolled back on the car. And what it was, a clerk in the driver's bureau had actually written down the wrong mileage when the guy got an inspection sticker one time. So they've got a computer that scans. Well, it threw out a big old thing. Uh-huh. So they may say, well, the car was in New Orleans five years ago, so therefore it could have been flooded because that's when Katrina was going on. That's right. the kind of information you're going to get back. Yeah. All righty. Thank you very kindly. Okay, sir. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, and we're going back to the line with Philip. Good morning, Philip. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, good man. morning. Yeah, I got. I'm changing the spark plugs in my suburban. Okay. And the owner's manual gap is not the same as the parts store. Okay, well, you need to throw iridium plugs, Philip, and it cannot be gapped. If you bend that electrode, it may break off in the engine and tear your motor up. So I should just put it in right out the box? Well, go to a AC Delco dealer or a dealership and get you a, it used to be 4195, now it's 41110 spark yeah, plug. Yeah, that's what right. I got. I got a 41110, but they, gave, they gave me a gap. Right. The gap changed on them because the... Right. They did revise the gap on it. You just put those in. If you got the AC Delco plug and it has not been damaged, then put yeah. them in just like they are. Okay. Because so they, did, they did revise that gap on the plugs. And so the, That's no. right. Now, torque spec on putting that plug into the head, too. It's 11 foot-pounds. 11-foot-pound. Yes, uh-huh. and that's what the engine With, coal. And right. Don't put any kind of lubricant on the thread. Okay, is there a trick to pulling those wires off? Uh, <laughs> Luck. 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 Very Take often grab you end up changing them. Twist them. Try to twist them and mm-hmm. break them loose from the ceramic and kind of wiggle them back and forth. A lot of times they'll come off, but a lot of times they're going to break. Yeah, and you got to watch too, Philip, because that's not wire at all. That's carbon fiber, and if they got any miles on them, like 100,000, very often if you start twisting them, you'll break the wire and you'll get a check engine light, and it's going to be missing, and it's going to be a bad wire. What Usually, you're off to get another set of wires for it. Yeah. It's a late-model Suburban? 01, yeah. 01? Yeah. That's got the little short wires on it. Well, from, you see, there's, it... there's two different wires yeah, there is. that can be on there, Philip. So if you do change the wires, you have to look on the ignition call, and there's going to be a number. It'll either start with 19 or it'll start with 12. And there's two different wires, and they're about an inch difference between them. And if you put the wrong wire in there, it'll either be stretched too tight or it'll be too long. It'll rub on the steering gear and it'll end up wearing right. it out. So you want to make sure you bring the old wire with you if you go to the parts store and get the exact right replacement. And okay. do yourself a favor. Get the AC Delco wires. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a 748GG uh, and a 748HH is the short and long wires. All right. Okay. All righty. Fine. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Bye-bye. Welcome. All right. I tell you what. Got time to take one more call? We're one more. Make try it to quick. squeeze one more call. Now we got Chip on the line. Good morning, Chip. Hey, Chop. Good morning, guys. Thanks, sir. Good morning. Enjoy the show. Yes, sir. Got a question here. Got a, a strange shift in 2010 Ford Fusion mm-hmm. uh, four-cylinder. I think yes, it's two and a half yes, liter. Sir. Yes, sir. Driving along easy on the, you know, mm-hmm. coming from a stop. I've taken it in the, in the shop before. But mm-hmm. as you're easing, all, easing on the gas, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like, you know, like a manual transmission would when you're kind of slipping the clutch a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to make sure, Chip, that that's not a CVT in that car. Because a CVT, constantly variable transmission, is not a gear-type transmission. It feels okay. very, very strange. That's I'm yeah, almost it's, it's sure odd. that's what you got in there. No kidding. Yeah, yeah it's okay. going to feel very weird. Okay. <laughs> you're not actually going to feel uh, a You're shift not point. shifting gears. You're just stretching a couple of belts stretching belt. back and forth. Yeah, almost no all I mean, of your Fords are going to have, a, um, have a CVT. a CVT in them now. Interesting. Okay, because, yeah, I took it in, you know, yeah, I'm sorry, man. We're just totally out of time. If you've got any more questions, just hit me on the website. Be glad to try to help you out with that. We'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and tell your friends so we can get some more people listening. That's right. Hey, be sure to go to the website and vote in the Automotive Idol Contest. We need every single vote we can. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.